0: It's a grind, right, Patrick?
1: Yeah. Shut up and grind. Welcome to Trade Offs, where product habits Heaton Shaw and Profit Wells Patrick Campbell discuss tech through a product first mindset to inspire you to think differently. This week, they talk about the grind mindset. The steps or the important milestones are going to change as
0: you figure out and learn more. Sales ops prioritization. I want a single source of truth of the sales data, and it has to be that tool that everyone loves to hate, which is Salesforce. And getting over, being penny wise, pound foolish. Anything that is
1: not important for you to become best in class, and someone can have deep expertise on, outsource it. What's up, everybody? Hey. Heathen, what's going on? You got your hair is like out today.
0: I washed it recently today. And what happens is it gets a little curly. And and we actually didn't know, my wife and I and my kids, we didn't know that I had curly hair.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: We knew I had wavy hair, but it's curly naturally.
1: I've never had long hair. Like the longest, it's a little bit longer than going on right now. But I think my hair would do that. And then I imagine myself and I'm just like, no, nah, that's not the PC I've, I've developed over time. But it's interesting. Have I shown, I haven't shown you this picture of Neil. This is you know great because it's mostly an audio podcast. So, I mean, people won't be able to see this. But look at this crap. Look at this guy.
0: Oh, yeah. That guy. Dude, wow. See, his is wavy.
1: He's out of control right now. I like it. Neil is like just. I love it. I don't know. I have to go make me. fun of him. It offends me a lot. No, I just I just remember because, like, when he started working at Profilewell, it was short haired, clean and coiffed Neil. And through COVID, he basically went to, uh, he's like a knight. knight no, I remember. Neil the knight. Yeah. knight. Yeah, he's
0: got a look. I like the look. Mm. But how's the
1: week going? How are you cranking?
0: I think the theme of the week that I'm going to preempt that you kind of started talking about is it's a grind. And there's a coffee shop named grind, that. Maybe. There's actually a coffee shop named that, believe it or not. Is there?
1: Is it in It's, it's a grind. Describe- There's one oh, near my a house grind. in, in Los
0: Angeles. It's called It's a Grind. I used to get mocha lattes there when I was drinking coffee, and it's also, I believe, one of the sh- the coffee shop in Weeds. Oh, cool! The old show Weeds. So
1: that's one of those shows I haven't watched yet, but I've been thinking about it. It's yeah. a fun one. Yeah, this week is very just like grind, grind, grind for me. And the thing is, is it's not, it's not the mechanical or physical state of the grind. It's the mindset. Yes. And the best way I can describe it, and it's probably not the best way, but the way I want to describe it right now is it's, it's like a no, like not unemotional, but just super focused. Like, oh, there's this thing that's coming up that someone's talking about. No, no, no. Shut up and grind. Like, obviously, you know, not being that aggressive verbally, but like, you get what I'm saying. It's just like, Hey, why is this important? Why are we having this conversation? Like I had a couple of conversations this week where You know, after like five minutes, I was like, hold on a second. This is not important. This will not be important for a while. And it's probably not going to gain anything by thinking about it right now. So it's just like one of those things where the stage we're at, if I can have a little bit of a therapy session for a moment, is I never thought this stage was going to hurt as much as it does. Like, I think it hurts the most. And it's so weird because it's one step in front of the other. There's no dramatically bad things happening. There's no dramatically good things happening. It's literally just like, how many ops this week? How many of those ops converted? How much money's in next week? Let's do more next week. We need to hire these people. Hire more people. What's that pipeline? Like, everything's a funnel right now. And I think that's the future. I think we talked about that last week. Like, everything is a funnel from now into perpetuity. And it's just like, how is that funnel doing? How's that funnel doing? How are we going to make this funnel work? All of those other things. And it's just it's a different world. It's so emotionally different and I'm, I'm adjusting to it, I guess, is my, my pontificating here.
0: I mean, that's why I say startups are a race to the spreadsheet, actuals in a spreadsheet, right? Like, and those are all funnels, right? Like, and if you're managing by those things and you're just getting it dialed in and you need to now figure out how you push it. Yeah. It's just a straight up grind. Cause everything's so clear when you, you can grind like that. It just means that the visibility is there. The, the funnels are started and sort of working, right? Like they're at least, like you can see some results, you can see it working, and now you want it to work better. And then you're trying to figure out who do we hire, what areas, usually it's like sales and areas like that for this grind. And then, you know, what are the ways we can optimize the various steps of the of it that are able to be optimized on a weekly basis versus a more strategic higher level basis, right? Because you can also optimize on a higher level basis. And I think the grind is more about moving the numbers, right? Making the numbers happen, making sure that they're going in the direction you want them to. So I'm a few steps behind on that right now with my company. And it's just a race to the spreadsheet. So like what we've been doing, this is the first week we've got all of our sales ops set up. And the first week we started sending outbound emails. So I'm not quite in the full grind mode because that's going to happen two, three, four weeks for perpetuity after that. But we got all the systems set up. I'm super happy with the systems and all that. And we actually put a lot of I wouldn't say time and energy, but we put the right people on setting those systems up. That was not people that are not people in the company. They're people that I know that are friends of mine that like know how to set up the ops and the dashboards and like all that stuff. Start turning these things on because once he's turned these things on, I didn't want to have to have our internal team manage that stuff completely without any help because someone should be watching that all the time, even if it's part time. That's at least my take on it. And then you get into all the testing and all that kind of stuff. So I think you need systems to be able to even feel like you can grind in the way that you're describing.
1: Yeah. What's kind of interesting is when you're saying that is I have a stylistic difference. It might be worse. I don't know. Like, or it might just be different. Our stylistic difference is, and I think this is part of Bootstrap PTSD, which I've talked about before. We didn't set up the sales ops in the system and then start figuring it out. We start figuring it out. Because that feels like the harder problem, at least in my opinion. Like the harder problem feels like and it might be six of one half dozen or the other, but it's like, OK, let's start doing the experimentation and then let's start documenting in parallel and then make sure that the system's set up and they, they kind of meet at a point, right? So like right now, a way to look at this is like, you know, we have Salesforce data and these types of things and I have my spreadsheet for top of the funnel, it's very weak but my like most sophisticated spreadsheet is my lead to demo or my uh, middle of the funnel like my bdr team Just sdr's who knows what to call them at this point adr's too now I facilitators
0: guess that's thing. sales facilitators we call
1: them specialists here's a cool tip cool i said this before no one wants to answer an email that comes from an sdr please stop like talk about it internally as an sdr stop giving them that title call them something we call them retained specialists or pricing specialists you know basically And then, you know, we have a really good spreadsheet for like our demo to close, which is our sales team. And this is actually, you and I talked about this, it's outcome-based teams. Yep. And now it's like, we're starting to parse all these together. And we're starting with the lead to demo and the demo to close. It's like, hey, when something comes in and lead to demo, what do we expect it's going to be? Here's the predictive path. Here's the actual path, all that kind of stuff. And so, I don't know. The reason I brought this up is it does add some anxiety to it because it's like, we're doing some things, oh, are they working? Oh, crap, we got to fix that You know, spreadsheet, connect the data, that type of thing, which it's a little inelegant. It's probably slowing us down a little bit and we should change how we do it, but it's kind of how it's working right now.
0: I don't know if it's stylistic or even whether it's a self-under or bootstrap mentality or not. I think the way I would think about it when you describe what you described and kind of how we've been doing it, it is different. My take on it is it goes back to the Peter Drucker quote what gets measured gets managed. I don't believe you're measuring at your scale as well as we are at our scale. Yeah, yeah. And if we were that's at your true. scale with the system we have, our ability to optimize and improve would probably be better than yours today. And mm, that's not to say you're right or wrong or I'm right or wrong. That's just to say, in a contrast, the situation you're in, I'm looking to avoid. And the reason for that is if you're grinding, I don't believe you should be worried about the tooling. That's the fundamental thesis I have. So yes, we absolutely started selling before we had Salesforce. We were using Airtable and documents and and all that. But The reason I hired someone to work with us on this, one, she's amazing at this. Two, I know how to work with her so that it's like a couple things I say and then she just goes handles it, which is really important to me in this role. But the main reason is because The evaluation of the tools you need to use and the way they connect together and making sure the reporting is in one place was really important to us. And we wanted that reporting to be in Salesforce because everybody is familiar with Salesforce. And so we started very manual. And then when she came on, we gave her access to the things that we were already doing. So she had access to our script which we had in a document. She had access to our Airtable with all of our customers and the status, even our onboarding one, once they're kind of in and we have an Airtable like, that we work with engineering on so that we check the boxes. And then our, our product has a lot to do with like starting ingestion of the company's data and then has to end. And we want to make sure we have the contracts in place because there's a lot of compliance things on our end too and their end and security reviews and all that. So there's just a funnel there, but it's an Airtable and it's a bunch of check boxes, right? You can't do stats on it properly or anything. So she basically took that and put all those leads into a spreadsheet that mapped to what she could import into Salesforce. And so one of the intermediary steps was take all that, fill out what she wanted us to fill out those required fields in Salesforce. She imports it in. And now all of a sudden, all the old stuff is in there. And she just looked at everything, figured it out, made the sheet. We jammed on it to like give the data that was unavailable at the time, like expected close date was a classic one that we didn't put in our Airtable funnel or Airtable CRM or whatever. And so then because we were just doing sales discovery and then ran into like people just wanting to buy and stuff. And then we pushed it all into Salesforce. And now now that we're doing outbound emailing and all that stuff, we're in basically Salesforce and starting out with, you know, doing everything in there from now on. My reason for not doing this sooner was we just didn't know what the funnel was going to look like and how fast we were going to need to start actually selling with an official process and doing outbound. So I didn't want to start outbound without Salesforce. I didn't want to start outbound without the three or four tools you need that connected all together. I also have this concern of having to hire a lot of BDRs. So we spent a bunch of time trying to find the right tool or set of tools that make it so that on a very one to two hours a day basis, I can be the BDR.
1: So what's interesting is I think there's two parts here. The tooling part, I think, is absolutely crucial. Like, I think that you have different stages. Once you hit that next stage, figuring out the tooling is crucial. And also making sure that you have leadership in place that's not gonna like just come in and be like, oh, I wanna use the tools I used last time, right? Because we, we've we been through that rodeo. I think the reporting aspect is more complicated. And the reason is, is because you kind of described it perfectly in a sense or in a different context of like the steps or the important milestones are going to change as you figure out and learn more. So I probably wasn't being specific enough. Like when I say that we're we're trying to like combine metrics and stuff like that, it's more like we have the metrics like figured out, but then all of a sudden it's like, well, this metric that connects to that metric we now discovered is this. And we discovered that through like fastidiously testing or thinking through or like slicing the data a bunch. I do think we need to do better just at the reporting in general. Is this person a contractor? Because I I would love to talk to them if they are. They are, uh,
0: and and if they're available, I'll let you know. But like this person has done it for me before, very recently, and and now is doing it even more deeper in this company because we need it deeper here. The key here is like, I wanted to know that we had the correct single source of truth for the sales metrics. 100%. And I wanted to make sure that the person who is tasked to set that up is someone who can set it up extremely well, A+. If that stuff's not set up A+, then I know what happens during board it meetings. Becomes a I know show. what happens yeah. quarterly. I know what happens to sales leaders who don't have that, which is basically not they fail, we're just not efficient. We're not optimized. Yeah, we're not we're not able to make decisions based on the data. And I know so many sales leaders, if they don't have the data, they won't make the right decisions. I know that sounds absurd, but like this is sales leaders, right? If they don't have it and they won't seek it or go try to find it. So you have to spoon feed the data to them. And I don't mean to say that in any bad way. It doesn't matter. Like they're sales leaders. Like They they all have different strengths and you can't always find a, what is it? Mark Roberge, right? Yeah, from, is- from HubSpot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, like, like he's the one numbers. that like yeah. starts with data, right? Like and, like you can't expect that. I mean, I would love a sales leader like that, but I don't expect that from them. I'm gonna find one like that, don't get me wrong, but like it's even that much better if they're like that and we have the systems, but if they're not like that and, and the systems are in place, then, you know, what's the down downside? No downside, right? Yeah, no downside. So I, I just look at it like after lots of pain with marketing systems, sales systems, Doing those things without having the reporting, which means, you know, this is that term single source of truth. Yeah, I want a single source of truth of the sales data, and it has to be that tool that everyone loves to hate, which is Salesforce. And it can't be any other tool. Sorry. So, yeah. Well, I think like that's
1: Salesforce, the reason it's so powerful is because of the reporting. Like, that's what people love about it. Like, reps hate it. Like, we're buying extra tools to make it easier for the reps and all that kind of stuff up. But, like, of course. Yeah, you just one of those interesting things. But yeah, I think the thing to think about too is like, it's the race to the spreadsheet, but it's also the race to the machine. And the conversation I had with someone yesterday who was, you know, asking a bunch of questions about stuff. And and the reason that there's some of these questions is because we don't have some of this reporting built out quite yet. So that's, you know, that's another reason for it is because you want to have like, like you said with the board meetings just having like picture perfect easy to access uh, north stars and stuff. Subs- you don't want to
0: debate why the data is the way it is or whether it's accurate or not or any of that. You don't yeah. and you want to debate totally. metrics that don't exist in there if they should be debated or discussed, right? You never want to do that. You want to make sure the hygiene on that's great. It's a there's accountability. You get down to individual records and it looks the same. I mean, there's all these issues you see. You also need reports, like one classic one I had to build at Kissmetrics because we didn't do this properly and no one else was doing it, is I built this deck based on the data I could find that showed something that I consider a standard report in Salesforce, even though it's not quite, which is basically the funnel lead to close in the whole funnel for every sales rep. Because then you can identify, oh, He's this sales rep time. closes more deals at a lower price point than this other sales rep, but their ramp and their on target is like the same, right? Like like they're hitting the same goals. So it's those kind of learnings where I'm like, why did I have to do that as a CEO of the company like three, four years in? And why was it not set up? Obviously it's my fault. Take the blame. That's why I went and did that because like nobody was doing it. And the data you see from that stuff, especially when you start graphing it and like looking at the comps, especially when you have a running sales team, that's where the optimizations happen. That's where you start telling Lydia who closes more deals than anybody else, hey, Lydia, let's just give you more deals that are like the ones that you can close fast so you can close even more, right? And John, who's like larger deals, but fewer ones, we would give him the right deals, right? For what he can close, right? Things like that are like, in the weeds analysis that you kind of need in order to optimize and improve and make sure you hit your numbers and set targets and all that stuff. It's also good for the reps, <laughs> right? Because then they're, they're able to understand what they're good at, right? And like figure it out or what they're bad at. And then we can help them improve or what stage they get stuck at. And then you can start pairing them together and do all that cool stuff that like causes a sales org to be like super efficient, but also like very well oiled. And I don't see another way. So anyway, that's my rant on setting that stuff up as soon as you can because if you don't then like it's gonna bite you months quarters down the road and then guess what you have a flat quarter straight up this is the kind of thing that causes a flat quarter
1: yeah because you don't you don't react quickly enough
0: which is completely unacceptable
1: yeah i agree it's interesting it's very interesting
0: Yeah, it's more grind stuff, right? That's why I'm like, I'm not grinding on the sales ops, even though I know how to use every damn tool and I know how to integrate. That's not like me. And now like the next thing she's going to work on, my friend who does this stuff is like, she's going to work on the marketing side of it and like setting up like HubSpot and the lead forums and then making sure those get plumbed in, right? Because like we didn't need to do that yet because that wasn't the the important piece yet, but it is about to be, right? And then you got your lead sources and all that. So it's like, you know, some people would set that up first, but what we realized is we, we wanted to set up the sales force and the outbound emails. So depending on what marketing channels like you're using or what traffic you get or whatever, you might do differently, but we wanted to set up outbound and start building that muscle because we know that muscle takes quite some time, but it is, it is the thing that works for every SaaS company, uh, no matter what. So let's go set all that up, right? And then now we're going to start figuring out all the things we have to do with inbound leads and all that kind of stuff as a secondary thing, that way we can keep selling while we figure that out. And this is cause we just rebranded and have a new audience we're going after. So traffic to the site and things like that is not quite as intent driven as it used to be. So we decided to do the sales ops tooling first before the marketing one. But like even that I treat the same way. We need the right tools to be able to make sure we have the proper reporting for marketing. And I wouldn't want the main reporting we use for marketing to be different than for sales. So everything's just going to get pushed into Salesforce and we'll be able to see everything in there. Not that marketers, you know, once they join our team and all that, can't use reporting in the marketing tools, but the source of truth needs to go back to Salesforce at the end of the day, because that's the one place where this data should sit. And and honestly, like, I don't know why you'd do anything else. Maybe you have a reporting tool on top of Salesforce, fine. But like, there should be one place where all this sits about your leads. I mean, that's the whole point of a CRM.
1: And for free, you can hook up ProfitWell to Salesforce to push all of your revenue data, into your
0: records to make things easy. Go sign up now,
1: today. Go sign up now, today. takes two minutes.
0: Is it free? The Salesforce integration is free too? For now. Wow. Wow, Patrick. That's huge.
1: What's funny is I know you're joking a little bit, but it actually is because like no one offers that for free right now. I'm not joking.
0: No, 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 no. I'm not even joking a little bit. I literally mean that's huge. Maybe I sounded a little cynical, but like that's huge. So Stripe to Salesforce through ProfitWell, basically. Dude. Why don't you tell everybody about this?
1: It's new. We have. I don't care. It.
0: Go tell everybody. They should know. Okay, we just told them. We just told Google.
1: Yeah, it's also at the contact and company record, so which is wild. So right now, yeah, we have this for HubSpot, Intercom, Drift, a couple others as well. So yeah, it's interesting.
0: Can it's I can I launch it on Product Hunt for you?
1: Yeah, when we get this out there. Yeah, that when are you actually, gonna get it out there?
0: I hey, by the way, I don't usually offer that. Today. Most people have to ask me. I don't offer that. Like I know. people ask me, Every I usually time say no. I always ask and, you. And, yeah. And yeah, but like now I'm offering it because I think this is really good. I'll hit you up. Please. I'll, I'll tell you that, some that of the should, details. That after should we, definitely uh, be launched. What the after heck? After we
1: hit stop here. Yeah. Okay, yeah. great.
0: Sorry. Sorry for the tangent, no, you're good. wow. No, you're good. It's you're blowing great, it up. dude.
1: Yeah. It is interesting though too, because I think um, what I was going to mention though, a new topic. I, I think I was going to mention something, but I forgot it. I have a new thesis and I want to test it on you about, so your friends, like this contractor who does sales ops, RevOps, whatever we're calling it these days.
0: Yep. I call it sales ops, but yeah.
1: Well, yeah. RevOps is becoming sales ops just by a different name, which is kind of interesting. Well, she's and doing marketing
0: ops done. for us too. So technically I'm, I buy into RevOps. RevOps. That's cool. She's RevOps but like, then. Yeah. But like, whatever. I just need tools connected and she's awesome at it. Like, that's what I yeah, got. Yeah.
1: Yeah. it's great. Here's my question or here's my interesting thought. Anything that is not important for you to become best in class- and someone can have deep expertise on outsource it contractors. That's where my head's at right now. So give you an example. We have the ability to create really good creative ads, things like that. You know, just given our team and how much practice we've had in like doing video and all kinds of other stuff, we're ramping up to do more demand gen, right? Like not quite going to spend millions of dollars, like a Monday.com, but start like getting out there, like click up these types of products for our audiences, obviously. But we're like, do we hire someone? Like we have our, our growth team can do like the basics, right? They're they're good at like the basics and, you know, things like that. But it's always like, if you're really good at demand gen, it's like just a different world, right? So we started looking for someone and we're just like, eh, like it's kind of like designers right now. Like demand gen, it's like, if you're good at it, you can get contract work, right? Like you don't need to like necessarily work in-house unless you really want to. So we started thinking on our growth team. We're like, okay, this is something that we should contract either through an agency or a person. And then something like driving signups for ProfitWell or driving signups for this, you know, Salesforce integration or HubSpot. That's probably something where it's going to be an in-house growth marketer who is targeting those activations, right? So that's kind of the thesis. And, and the, the backdrop of this, before before I uh, pause here, is that hiring is hard right now. Hiring is complicated right now. Uh, even if you're remote, it's complicated. There's really good people coming on the market, but they are coming on the market and getting off the market real quick. So it's just an interesting world. And so we've just been thinking about how to change up our recruiting and how we think about these things. But
0: I'll pause there. I want the best person that we possibly can have for the job. And I don't really care about anything else. So if I can get that best person, I'm going to figure out how to get that best person. That's my attitude. So, this person is working on their own startup. Even when you say, Hey, are they available? I don't think so. There's about two companies they work with, one of them being mine. And honestly, like, I'll pay her more and take up more of her time if I can. Right. But you're a friend. So I'll talk to her. No problem. But like, I'm just saying, like, these people are high in demand. Sometimes these people have their own aspirations too. Right. And you have to get creative if you really do want to work with the best. And I think that's where we're at. And some of these roles, like, you don't necessarily need someone to do it full time especially if they're really good because their full-time or their 25% time is someone else's full-time. That's the average person you can find. And that's usually very true. In fact, sometimes it's their 10% time is the equivalent of someone average is full, full-time. So when you yeah. do the math, it still works, it works out, right? You just can't be a stickler on, you need to be in my meetings or you need to spend this many hours. That's why like when I sign on these folks that you're talking about, these, let's just call them like super experts is what I would say. I'm never about how much time are you gonna spend. And if they try to get into that, how much time do you think? And look, I'm gonna bullet out what I what I believe you want to do. You tell me, like like yeah, yeah, you yeah. want to do and you need to do for us. What I think, what you think. Let's just align on those bullets. Those bullets are in the contract. If you're good with them, I'm good with them. I don't care if you spend an hour a week with us on it or you spend 40 hours a week with us on it. I want these things done. I want you to be able to create the plan on how they're gonna get done. If I you know might not know you that well, I might ask you to like help me come up with that before. You know, as an alignment exercise before signing or something, if you want to get paid to come up with a plan, I'll pay you to come up with a plan. But like we need a plan of some kind and some bullets that we're all aligned on so that you're held accountable to the work. You're not held accountable to the hours, but like honestly, Patrick, like I'm glad we got into this topic because that's a mindset shift for the majority of people that are probably listening and the majority of people that I talk to about this stuff. That's why I don't really talk about this stuff. Which we do things extremely differently when it comes to like these kind of things. Like I just want the best. And I'll do whatever creative strategy I need to do to get the best, especially when like the best is hard to find, right? And hard to hire full time, which is essentially the state we're in right now. So my strategy works even better in times like this, but I tend to use this strategy over and over again. For example, I had a very good friend I've helped a lot and, and I helped him with some positioning at a couple of companies, but one of them, they're really big now. And, and, and he knows how much impact uh, our work together had informally when I, when I worked with him on it. And I know what he could do for us on our positioning. So he literally came on, and I said, "Hey, you need to help us nail our positioning as we pivot. I know what you can do, and in positioning, category creation, those that kind of work. I'm more convinced than ever having an outside party sounding board is really useful and important, especially because you're so deep into your customers. It sounds ironic, but like you sometimes lose sight of like the bigger picture. Can't see the forest, yeah, yeah, and and so." The majority of his work was like, yeah, he made a few assets and stuff with us. He gave us a few templates that he really liked or, and modified them and helped us do that. But the biggest thing he did is he was our facilitator and we would hop on a call once or twice a week.
1: And like, like he would facilitate making yeah. sure
0: we're getting the process done, give his thoughts. And the meetings were always creative with Marie himself and I. And it was not like if I told you, hey, this is the ROI on it. And it's based on the amount of time he spent versus amount of money we paid. You'd be like, you paid that much per hour? but if I tell you the ROI on like the impact of his work, it's priceless. I'll say it. It's priceless. It's
1: the work product. That's the, that's the thing. It's priceless. Yeah. This is why like there's some pricing folks. It's more content in the world of like freelancers and stuff. And there's always like getting over the hour gap. Like it's like, don't, don't charge by hours, like charge by work product. There's a guy, it's a skinny, bald guy on YouTube. He always has like a, baseball cap on. He talks to like, I think design freelancers. He does a lot of pricing YouTube videos and it's just, uh, he, it's really eloquent. I'll try to find it. He's a designer and he just has a really good video about like
0: Project how based to talk to pricing. a client. Yeah, yeah. Who's
1: like, Oh, well, how long is it going to take to make this website? And it's like, he has a really good, like talk track of like, well, does it, nice. does that matter? Like, does that matter nice. if it's the right thing? Right. Yeah. So there's actually a really good book, Michael Montero, Montero, FreshBooks CEO, founder, uh, our founder, I don't know if you solicit Mike, Mike McDermott. McDermott, yeah, Montero, yeah, he's a I friend, yeah. whatever the name is. He wrote a good book on pricing about getting over the hours gap as well for accountants. No, it's interesting, yeah, find the best person for the job. It is a mindset shift. What's really funny about you saying that, I went and hung out with some founders at this like thing because now we're all like out again, which is great, by the way. Side note, I'm pretty sure I've been getting more and more convinced in like I don't know how long, but like not that long, like six months, maybe up to 18 months. We're just going to forget about what the hell just happened the past year. Like not forget as in like, we don't remember it, but it's just like, everything's going back to normal in Utah here. Like people aren't cleaning off their stuff at the gym. Like I've already noticed, like everyone was like really particular, even though like surface stuff, wasn't a big deal uh, with COVID and that's all gone. Like went and got Chipotle, like everything's like messed up again. You know, it's just, it's
0: just kind of funny how like We're humans. We want to forget the bad things. This was a bad thing. I don't think anyone can say it was a good thing. thing. It was a bad thing. We want to forget it. We want it to be, we want the past to be in the past at our best, of course.
1: But on the mindset thing, it's so funny how like I was talking to them and someone talked about like, they hired a recruiting agency. What am I trying to get at? They hired a, um, what is the word for someone to like contract to find you an exec or something like that? Is it an
0: agency? It's a recruiting agency of some kind. I don't know. It's not on my mind either. Headhunter, is recruiter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, an outsource, outsource recruiter. Yeah, an outsource recruiter. They use yeah. like an
1: outsource recruiter. Yeah. There we go. Or like an outsource headhunter or whatever. And they're like, yeah, found the best, like the best VP I ever could find, blah, blah, blah. I paid this much. And I'm, I'm at the mindset of like, yeah, sounds reasonable. Okay. Like literally a year ago, I'd be like, oh no, we're going to like spend all our time like on LinkedIn and trying to do you this. You know, the thing
0: is at some point, especially when you start doing the actuals in a spreadsheet- The mindset shift happens for pretty much everybody I've talked to about this to time is money. And so if I spend money to speed up time, might as well. Well, it's also like access.
1: Right. That's a time thing. Yeah, it's a time thing. Like... I'm it's going to take me a year to like figure it out and like have enough meetings with these people or I can have someone who's going to approach them in the right manner and they already know someone just knows
0: knows how to do it yeah I don't know playbook I don't want to figure it out it's not something I got to do a million times they already do it I got money right like if you got money to spend on this stuff and you don't have time that's the thing people can say they don't have time and money and then you get scrappy I totally get it you never have time though but sometimes when you not sometimes when you have money you already don't have time. Like, let's just baseline this. We don't have time. Like, you know, period. it's so funny. It's you know? so funny,
1: too. Because literally in the last week, I'm like, I'm getting an EA. <laughs> like, I'm just like, I'm nice. getting an EA. We do a lot of outsourcing. And you and I have talked about this before, like a ton. And so I'm like, I'm going to be selfish and grab 10 hours a week that they can handle like my inbox and crap. Because I just was doing inbox zero. And it's a bunch of like, just And I'm just like, I don't, this is worth paying someone like not even it's, it's going to be like $10 an hour to like take care of this. It's just, yeah, I don't know. I honestly think like part of this is, is a wisdom thing. I think like you have to kind of learn and get to the point where you're emotionally ready to go. And I was already predisposed to be like a screw it, sacrifice the body, sacrifice the time, take care of it yourself thing. I think you're going to disagree with this, but I, I do think a bootstrap PTSD, bootstrap mindset breeds some of this. It's not like a venture person doesn't go through this. I just think venture you more quickly will end up because of your coaching or whatever it is, or like your VC is trying to help you with some of this stuff. Like you have a little bit of a built-in mentor network quicker than I think a bootstrap person. I don't at
0: all disagree. I think founders that have raised money have this thing too, because they're trying to conserve cash and not run out. Anyone that's trying not to run out of cash is going to feel this no matter what until you experience the other side and you're like, wait, I could have spent and this would have been done faster and then this would have been the impact on the business. So what we forget is time to impact. That's the thing. It's just time to impact. If you start thinking about even your life from a time to impact scale, it'll just shift how you spend money, especially for your business.
1: Yeah, 100%. I like that.
0: Well, let's wrap on that.
1: Yeah, I got one other thing I want to talk to you afterwards. So yeah, let's wrap yeah. and we'll yeah, tease yeah. that. Exactly. There's some secrets being talked about. Cool. Recap. So we first talked about grind. Grind. The grind mindset, getting sales ops in order, making sure that you like are, are running that, you know, you're you're a bit ahead with your operations of where your planning is uh, or where your execution is. And then we talked about the natures of not being penny wise, pound foolish. Like that's the big thing is getting over that penny wise, pound foolish mindset that, you know, you have to switch on at some point. You have to all of a sudden realize like, you know, and you can go overboard the other way too. Like you can get to a point where you're just like, you know, no, dude, like just go walk a block to get the food. Don't spend 50 bucks to get delivered, you know, that type of stuff.
0: But yeah, cool. All right, man, anything else? I think the soundbite is, it's a grind, right, Patrick? It's a grind.
1: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you left a five-star review of this podcast. Or the equivalent rating wherever you listen or watch. Also, make sure to subscribe to and tell your friends about Tradeoffs, a podcast from ProfitWell Recur, the largest, fastest-growing media network dedicated to the world of subscriptions.